Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world, are you ready for another A1, A+, grade A, American-born, Texas-bred sports podcast? (laughs) If you're not, then you need to just tune out right here and now, because that's what this big, girthy sports podcast is going to (laughs) be, ladies and gentlemen. Big Diesel McBuckets, H.O.A. Nicholson, along with the slightly above average sports opinionated man himself, Ryan Quickfeet Spillman, are back in the saddle again. And boy, howdy, gosh, oh Molly, do we have a sports podcast coming at you. Spillman, yeah, how the hell are you? Dude, I'm excellent, man. I'm I'm super excited for this. I, I it's been too long, man. Like lots of things going on, but we got to give the people what they want. I'm excited for this. I'm excited to drop some like slightly above average takes. Let's get it going, man. So we're gonna talk week one NFL recap. It. We're gonna recap the NBA semis. We're gonna possibly squeeze our college football investment game. Ka-ching, ka-ching into this podcast we might have to roll it over into a separate podcast because we want to make sure that we're giving that all that it's due uh because ryan accused me last year of cheating so we hammered I'm out the, kinks. Of the shenanigans <laughs> we got rules written down on paper it's going to be legit spillman's going down you guys will be able to play along if you want to uh and then we got dipping sauce and let you know it's ryan our pickles it's going to be a good one uh, Spillman, I know you're doing good. I know everything's great at the uh, Pickle Palatial Estate up there in Garland, Tejas. Yeah. I'm doing fantastic in the Pickle Jar in North Lake, Texas. Uh, sadly, you know, we're, we're not in the same room again like we were a couple weeks ago. Uh, but, I mean, we live on the other side of the world from each other now. Yeah, like, people act like DFW is like a Metroplex. No, no, like, it's not all connected. Dallas is one part. Fort Worth is one part. Where Cody lives in Oklahoma, that's a whole other state. Like, it's <laughs> it's just different. You know, it's, it's not as close as you think it is. It, it's an hour plus to get over there. We can't always do this in the same room like we used to. Hey, but uh, I think we got the kinks figured out in this telecommunication world of uh, 2020. So don't uh, jinx it. Don't jinx it, man. Don't uh, don't put that evil on it. Spillman, clinky see sir. What are you drinking? Cheers, my friend. I have my 2016 Glorious Mug League Fantasy Football League Championship mug filled full of Dr. Pepper and Crown Royal whiskey. It is delicious. It, It makes me feel better about my fantasy football teams because I got curb stomped this week. It lets me know that at one point I was good at fantasy football. Who curb stomped you this week? Oh, funny that you should ask. Your wife, <laughs> before we got on this podcast, came on to it to mock me on the phone call. And deservingly so. I mean, she, she nearly doubled me up. I think it was like 118 to 66. The, uh, the Do you feel like less of a man? A little bit. You know, it, good, it hurt good, my pride. Good, good. I'm glad that I didn't get like, you know totally doubled up that could have been you know 
something you can't recover from, but she dang near did it. And, uh, yeah, she really put me in my place. But, hey, it's week one. It's a long season. We got at least six to seven more weeks before it gets shut down because of the Rona. What, you know, it's just one game. We'll be okay. How do you feel that Big Diesel McBuckets himself only scored 67 points and won in fantasy football? Like, that shouldn't happen. Um, <laughs> but, hey, you know, congrats to you. You know, a win's a win. Doesn't matter how ugly it is. Uh but looking at your squad, man, I, I do have some long-term concerns there. So I hope you, I hope you up, upgrade somewhere along the way. Well, especially after uh, that offensive line showing for Ola uh, Barkley, man. Like Barkley is the number one overall pick in our league. If he can't run the football, what the hell is the point? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he was getting avalanched behind the line of scrimmage, man. It. Hopefully that team, you know, there's a bunch of new faces on that offensive line. Hopefully they can gel a little bit. But yeah, man, that was a uh, that was a pretty rough showing for who, in my opinion, is the most talented back in the NFL with Barkley. Yeah, uh, I'm drinking a uh, 95 calorie Michelob Ultra. You know, watching figures still, and I got it in the old uh, the old William Clark Green koozie, man. If you haven't listened to William Clark Green, you're missing out. That's that's some good. American-born Texas bred country music right there from old uh, William Clark Green. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He struck me in the face one time with a CD at a concert. And, uh, yeah, he's he, good times, good shows. When we can go back to concerts and stuff, go see him. Buy, buy his music. He's good stuff. Uh, or just get it thrown at your face. Either way. Uh, all right, Spillman, let's swan dive into this bad boy. Uh, like I said, it's going to be a good one. Uh, Spillman, are, are you okay to jump into this podcast, swan dive into the, into this podcast after, uh, Boston's performance last night and your Blue Jays gave up 20 runs and lost by 14 to the Yankees. I'm just making sure that you're in the right sports frame of mind after just getting curb stomped in fantasy football and then your teams get curb stopped last night. Hey, hey. I don't want to hear it from you, okay? My 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 Boston Celtics, my beloved Celtics, had a hard fought game one loss in the Eastern Conference Finals. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> we're 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 not too down. My Blue Jays, with a young, improving team, are in a playoff position without any of the uh, cheating accusations that you and your Jose Altuve led Astros have. I'm in a good place. We had a rough night, but I'm in a good place sports wise, man. It's gonna be all right, and. My Washington football team won a game. Hey-o. We're doing good, man. We're doing first, good. First place in the East. Uh, all right, so let's start off with uh, five good minutes. Um, I'll kick us off, Spillman. I want to take five good minutes on this debacle, this circus of the Big Ten Conference. Is Rob Manfred on the board of trustees for the Big Ten? Somehow, <laughs> I feel like Rob Manfred is involved in this. Uh, Spillman. Can, can, let's run down our Jackass of the Year awards again. We got Rudy yep. Gobert, Rob Manfred, yep. um, Yadier Molina. Uh, am I missing somebody? I mean, that's that's pretty good start. You know, it's it's going to be hard to top the Rudy Gobert like touching all the microphones the day before Corona like canceled the season. Rob Manfred like really fucking this up though is is pretty up there. 
And and your Big Ten commissioner, what's his name, man? That he's got to be in consideration too. Okay, that's um, that's where that's where I was leaning towards, man. Is we got to put somebody, maybe the whole Big Ten conference, onto this jackass of the year uh, nominations that we're going to give out later. Uh, it, it just blows my mind, Spillman. Like these guys, I, they definitely jumped the gun way too early, and. Hey, if you're going to jump the gun early and you're going to make a decision, stick to that decision. Like, hey, the, the, this is what we decided to do. This is what we're going to do. It is what it is. And then you move forward. But they've been, after catching all this shit from the, the president, uh, from local governors, from players, from coaches, from fans, from they, they just caved under pressure. And that just makes you a chicken shit uh, conference commissioner. That's that's the definition of chicken shit. Is you don't stick to your guns. You cave in, and they're not even admitting that they made a wrong decision here. So it's even more of a chicken shit move. Spillman, I'm just blown away on how piss poor. And the Big Ten is the most profitable football, basketball overall conference in the Power Five. Big Ten makes the most money. Uh, Big Ten is can arguably has the most prestigious schools in the Power Five in their conference. Uh, they got several blue bloods there. It, it, it just, it's, it's amazing, Spillman, how they just dropped the ball on this deal. Uh, the Big Ten's looking to kick off mid-October. They're going to do the bare minimum amount of games. They're going to play eight games, and that's going to qualify qualify them to be able to be considered for the college football playoffs. I think that's totally unfair um, to the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, when they only have to play eight games. Meanwhile, if you count the conference championship, the Big 12, ACC, and SEC are going to have 11 to 12 games played, and the Big Ten is going to have nine counting the conference championship. It's total Bush League. It's it the, the whole situation was just mishandled from the get-go. Um I and, and Spillman uh, from what I've read and what I've done dug into, Michigan has been the biggest school against all this. Now, granted, you, I'll cut Michigan some slack that they wanted to stick to their original vote like, hey, you know, we really don't think it's safe to play. We don't want our players playing. You know, count us out. But then again, Michigan caved under all the pressure. And when the votes came around, Michigan because it had to be a unanimous vote, Michigan decided to, to go ahead and play. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, Spillman, but I'm just fucking flumbergastered, if that's a word. Flumbergastered over the Big Ten. <laughs> word of the week, flumbergastered. <laughs> Yeah, no, we can make it a word because that's about the only way you can explain this this whole situation. What I don't understand is how there has been more pushback on the Big Ten for for looking out for players and player safety first versus some of the other schools that haven't. You know, you look at LSU, they, they, they were talking about like almost all their players have tested positive. I'm like, how is that the not a bigger story than the Big Ten not play? Um so, I, you know, to me, I, I would look at some of that as like, why are we not looking at this from the other side of the view? The other thing, I, the whole thing got pushed back so late into the summer 
this is where the where the leadership and, and you're looking at Kevin Warren and, and you know the commissioner of the Big Ten. Why weren't we doing this stuff and having these conversations in June? Why did we wait till August to start having real conversations about this? Because late August, late August. Yeah, like we should have been able to like, hey, maybe we have players vote. If you decide you want to play, awesome. If you decide you don't want to play, maybe we grant some more eligibility. Have schools, hey, if you want to play, great. We can, you know, let you play in a different conference, do something different. But no, none of that was really done until it was too late. And and by the time they got around to doing anything about it or getting any player input or coach input, there was no time to really play in this. And it felt like they just set out the season, which I, I think ultimately was the right decision. But but then, you know, they never really thought through the consequences or, you know, had a t- chance to discuss the consequences. And now they're almost getting bullied into having a season because the SEC, Big 12, and everybody else is having football. So just – just bad, bad management, man. That's all there is to it. It's like you, I, I wish that they could have like, you know, stated through it. And to me, like all these schools that don't want to play, all you have to do is point at, point at Clemson and say, hey, half their team wasn't on the field week one or LSU where they're saying they can't, you know, no, <laughs> almost half the team's tested positive. You know, point to that and say, hey, we're just going to stick with player safety, but they don't seem to be able to pull off that message. Yeah, and and I'm Spillman. I'm not trying to say that the Big Ten made the wrong decision. I and I'm not saying that the conferences that decided to play made the wrong decision. My biggest thing is the communication totally mishandled. The 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 way they rolled it out, like you said, didn't even start talking about it until late August, and they make a decision, and then they're bullied. Like you said, it perfect. I'm just flumbergasted. Flumbergasted, Spillman. Uh. Yeah. All right, so Spillman, that was way more than five good minutes, but I want to give you the po- the floor so I can pour my Dr. Pepper and uh, old Sailor J. Uh, but Spillman, I know you got something to say about this Clippers Denver series. Yeah, it's it's. I thought the Clippers were the favorites coming into the into the deal. You know, them and the Lakers, I thought were one two, and and we should have had a LA LA finals. The the total, you know, screw job that that Paul George had not showing up for hardly any of these games. Kawhi looking like he was tired at the end of the series. I was like, hey, I get we're playing every other day, but come on, guys. This isn't an AAU tournament where you have seven games in one day. Like, we can be a little better than this. Um, but, yeah, the, the Clippers shouldn't have lost this series. They're, they should be a more talented team. I do want to give credit to Jokic, though. Uh, he's not your traditional-looking superstar. He's not what you want to call, like, you know, he's not one of these Shaq, most imposing physical specimens on the planet. But, but man, the dude produces numbers. Like, he's 25-13-8 in the playoffs. The dude's a superstar. We need to start giving him the credit of the superstar. The best center in basketball right now. But, uh, but yeah, to me, man... It's still it's still on the Clippers, man. That was a more talented team. You're up three one. You can't lose that series. Unacceptable. And that historically never happens. Coming back from a three one deficit. I mean yeah, and then and Denver's done it twice, so shout out to them. You know, it's a little different doing it to Utah, which was kind of banged up and short staffed to begin with. They're short you know, short handed. But uh but to do it to a Clippers team that I thought was more talented, I just I put that on the Clippers just as much as I want to give credit to Denver. So why were so many people wrong on the Clippers? 
You know, I think it goes back to to some of the Jokic not being your traditional looking superstar. Same thing with Murray, who who runs real hot and cold. But hey, in deciding games, man, he's gone for 50, 50, 40, and 36. Like the guy produces when the chips are on the table. And, uh, you know, I think that's part of it is just that they don't have the traditional look of a superstar team with a big wing that can guard, defend, and shoot threes. But they somehow make it work, man. And I'll be. I'll be honest, I didn't see them coming out of the West, and they got as good, you know, they're they're going to be facing the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, so it should be interesting. Uh, well, let's let's stay in the NBA. Uh, there you ha- there you go, there you have it, guys. Five good minutes actually lasted closer to uh, you know twelve or minutes or whatever. But hey, <laughs> it's a girthy pod. We said it from the get. Uh, so let's stay in the NBA. Let's talk semis. Let's talk Bucks being eliminated by. The Miami Heat, the fighting Jimmy Butler's, assisted by Eric Sprostra. Um Spillman, after the Bucks uh, get eliminated by the Heat, Milwaukee comes out just 24, 48 hours later and say, just to keep uh, Giannis happy. Because I don't know if you read into shit like this, but Giannis unfollowed the Bucks on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it was. Um I think people sometimes read too much into that, uh, but the Bucks say that they're going to spend deep into the luxury tax in order to get Giannis some help. Does this go back to what we talked about last week or a couple weeks ago about how Giannis might be a Scottie Pippen instead of a Michael Jordan? Uh, I mean, to me, he's still he can still be the best player on a championship team. We, we were talking a little bit about the Bucks' ownership and maybe surrounding him with people. To me, the original sin was not going into the luxury tax this year. You know, you look at not spending the money on Malcolm Brogdon, you know, when they didn't match the uh, the restricted free agents offer that, that the Pacers gave him. Now, it's like, well, you can't really spend money because you're already kind of capped out. You're going to have to go into the luxury tax just to keep the same core in place. You're not going to be able to add somebody like a Malcolm Brogdon, who's not an all-star, but is like a borderline all-star guy in the East. To me, this this team kind of is what it is. And, and you know, Giannis is going to be a superstar. I'm not worried about that. But we may have to have some more flexibility on the coaching side with Budenholzer, some guys, be able to make game-to-game adjustments because it's not good enough just going to the playoffs and say, hey, this is what we're going to do over and over again because there's too many good coaches in the East that are going to adapt to you and and run you out of your style. Yeah, and spilling like like Boston is doing their thing. Um, obviously, Miami's a good young team. Let's not forget about the Nets with Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant. The Nets are going to be a squad uh, next year, and the Bucks. Might get left behind unless they start making some moves. Uh, but I agree with you that Malcolm, they, they should have went ahead. and Because you got to take advantage while you have these players on your squad. Trust me, coming from a Thunder uh, fan, I've seen multiple MVPs come and go from OKC. And we have zero championships to show for it. So when you got them, you got to push those chips all in. You know, luxury tax be damned. Uh, on the flip side of this, Spillman... Who in the Sam Hill saw... Is Miami a four seed or a five seed? Five, yeah. They're a five seed. When's the last time we saw a five seed 
in the Eastern Conference Eastern Conference Finals. Man, it's it's been a while. You know, I, I think that the last time that I can really remember, and it wasn't a five seed, but was like the the ninety nine ninety eight uh, Knicks in that shortened series. You know, that strike shortened series. That was a that was an eight seed. Um, you know, you look at them. Uh, or the in the Western Conference, the Rockets, the the second year that they won the title with Elijah and Drexler, that was a that was a five seed, but but yeah, I mean it doesn't happen very often. Usually it's a one two seed in almost every conference every year, and uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have something different. It looks like this year because Boston's a three. Yeah, so we we saw this in baseball last year when the dirty cheat in Washington Nationals. Uh, went on a run and won the World <laughs> Series. Uh, do you think Miami, uh, this Heat team, is just they're just the hottest team in basketball right now, getting hot at the right time? I know that's super cliche, uh, but I mean I could say that they're the most scrappiest team in the NBA right now. But you know you would think that's a uh, below average sports opinion. So you know I might puke a little bit. <laughs> but seriously, are is this? Is it Jimmy Butler and just a bunch of good white boys? What's up with this Miami Heat team? You know, it's yeah, Butler. Butler has played out of his mind. I mean, he's been great. I mean, he's he's a good player. I mean, he's an All NBA player. He was just named to the All NBA second team. So you kind of look at that. Hey, it's a top ten player in the NBA. So that's a good building block. But everything around him complements you know him and that system perfectly. Bam Adebayo, who is not like a, a you know maybe a superstar or whatever, but the guy is a, an incredible defender, will win an all-defensive player of the year, you know, one one of these days. Um, you look at that and then just shooting at all positions. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, you know, Tyler Hero, who, you know, has no no conscience at all, will, will throw it up from anywhere. Um, Goran Dragic, all these guys, Kelly Olenek, all the guys around that team can shoot. And play hard nosed defense. So like they may not be elite, you know, individual defenders, but they're great team defenders. And the system just works. It, it looks like it's really built for the playoffs. A lot of interchangeable parts that can switch, that can that do stuff, and can't be exposed on on offense or defense. And they go about eight nine deep. It's it's a team that's built for the playoffs. And uh, you know you combine that with like what you're saying with Eric Spolstra, it's a dangerous team, man. It really is. And I know we, we, we were kind of dogging on Jimmy Butler a little bit last week and, you know, saying that he's not a very nice person, more on the uh, the douchebag side of things. But I was reading an article about his story. Holy shit, Spillman. Like, this dude, his mom kicked him out when he was like 10. He was on the streets for a hot minute. He was taken in, I think, his sophomore year of high school, but he was basically couch surfing from sixth grade through middle school, uh, and he worked his way up in, in, in through AAU teams and you know Division two basketball and made it to a first round NBA pick. Like he's got a solid story, man. And um, to uh, to see Jimmy Butler maybe possibly win a ring, I think would just be on the cherry on top, and that's definitely going to be a thirty for thirty movie someday. Uh, all right. So the other semifinals out east was your Celtics and Toronto. Uh, I don't want to spend too long on this because we we talked a lot about it last week. But 
Uh, you I mentioned know. you you mentioned it last week that this was just a horrible matchup for Toronto, uh, but it, 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 you say that, and I agree with you. It's a bad matchup, but Toronto is one of the best teams in the NBA of being able to play small ball. They can go big. They can play full court, half court. You know, whatever you throw at them, they're gonna find a way, a, a lineup. Um, coverages that they're going to be able to compete, but for some reason they just couldn't couldn't outmaneuver Brad Stevens and the Fighting Celtics. Yeah, well, and the reason, and when we were first originally said that, it, you know, Toronto was down two zero, and it looked like they're about to go down three zero before they hit a last second shot. That that shot probably changed the series and extended it out to seven games. So, I mean, shout out to Toronto. I mean. Uh, an awesome squad, you know, good team. But but the reason that they, I felt that like Boston matched up really well with them is they have a bunch of like long, big perimeter defenders to match up against Lowry and Van Vliet. So you can stick Tatum on those guys. You can stick Marcus Smart on them. You can stick uh, uh, Jalen Brown. And, and just the length, I think, that those perimeter defenders for Boston really gave them issues. Combine that with the fact that Boston can switch one through five with Daniel Tice on the floor, and it was real hard for Lowry and Van Vliet to get, like, clean open shots. Um, and without those guys, you know, kind of creating an offense, they become pretty stagnant. And uh, and then they're leaving, like, Siakam to try and create a lot of stuff, and he's just not to that point in his career to where he's, like, a number one option on offense yet. So correct me if I'm wrong. I want to go to Toronto here. I think uh, Nurse – the head coach for the the Raptors, he got extended to 2023 or 2025. Um, one NBA coach of the year this year. Uh, yeah. I think it should have gone to Billy D, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> but he's for sure, I, I will agree with this, he's for sure on the short list of the best coaches in the NBA. Uh, to me, the, the guy who's on top of that list is Rick Carlisle. And I, I'm not a fan of the Mavericks at all whatsoever, but Rick Carlisle, you can give him players like fucking J.J. Barea or some kid that just walks out of a Cracker Box gym in Tumball, Texas, and he's going to make him into an NBA Uh, All-Star. I just think Carlisle's a basketball genius, Uh, but he's on that list with Carlisle. You got Brad Stevens, you know, guy never combs his hair. Maybe that's part of his genius. I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, Eric Spolstra. Um, I don't know why, when you wrote this, you left Billy Donovan off this list. I still think he's one of the better coaches in the league. Uh, but, again, neither here nor there. But it, I I think it's a good move to extend Nurse. You know, Coach of the Year. I mean, last time Toronto had a Coach of the Year, they fired him, right? Um, but they're extending well, yeah, Nurse. Yeah, there was a difference there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but, but yeah, I think Nurse is a champion. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with extending him. I mean, he's, to me, the reigning you know coach of the year. And probably, I know Brad Stevens is, is our future president, but if Gee. I had to pick one coach to, to coach my team tomorrow, it would probably be Nick Nurse. The, the things he does on defense with the zones and the different schemes and all that kind of stuff is You pick him over really Carla? I think so. Just, I mean, the guy won the championship last year. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. And then what he did with Toronto this year without Kawhi, 
I mean, they took Boston to seven games. They're, you know, a couple bounces away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals without their best player, you know, with their best player leaving last year. I think a lot of this stuff that he does conceptually on defense is really brilliant. And then the offense is always moving, a lot of good stuff. And then you look at the development of those players. Nobody on that roster has gotten worse. Like, everybody that goes there gets a little bit better in some way. Everyone from like OG Ananobi to freaking Marcus Gasol, who we thought was, you know, dead and buried. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, he's kind of usable. I, I can't think that any any better investment thing than extending a guy like that. All right, we're doing the opposite of what I wanted to do here. I didn't want to spend this much time on this series. Uh, but it, I, I'm curious because I talked about how good the Nets are. We know Boston's got, we know what Boston is. Uh, my aunt, we know Miami's going to be contending. Milwaukee's going to try to keep up. So what does Toronto need to do to stay in the mix out east and not fall behind? To me, the, the biggest thing is just Pascal Siakam. He has to become an A1 option on offense. Uh, Lowry and all that stuff, it's, it's good. But those guys have limitations because they're six foot. I mean, that's just there's a limitation when you're a six-foot NBA player of how good you can be and how many shots you can create. Pascal Siakam has to be able to come an A1 option against the best defenders in the league. Because you look out east, hey, it's fine during the regular season, but when you get into the playoffs, and especially when you advance in the playoffs, you're going to face the Jimmy Butlers, the Jason Tatums, the Jalen Browns, uh, the Giannis's. You have to be able to create quality shots and score buckets against the best defenders in the league. And that's going to be the next step for him. He's got to become a superstar and not just a complimentary piece to a good team. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go out west and talk about the semis. Um, I don't want to repeat ourselves. We took five good minutes on on kind of the, the Clippers and Denver series. Uh, is there anything you want to mention that maybe we forgot to mention earlier in the pod about that series? No, I didn't want. I didn't really give enough credit to the Nuggets, man. I was kind of dogging on the Clippers because I felt like they lost it. Um, but congrats to the Nuggets, man. They they've been a good organization. You know, they didn't sign any of these free agents. They kind of built it from the ground up. Congrats to the Nuggets organization, man. They've they've earned what they've got. Yeah, ditto. And if you're a Denver fan, enjoy this ride. I mean, surely you weren't expecting to make it to the Western Conference Finals, and you're probably gonna get your ass kicks against the Los Angeles LeBron James. Um, but hey, enjoy it while you can. That's what sports is all about. Is enjoying the yep. ride. Uh, I'm stalling while I pour another uh, Sailor J and, and Dr. Pepper, if you uh, couldn't tell there, Spillman. Uh, <laughs> all right, so Lakers and Rockets. Holy piss. The Lakers bent the Rockets over a barrel and showed them the 50 states. Yeah, I mean, what, it was a 4-1, <laughs> like... And yeah, it, it was horrible. I mean, I don't know who played worse. Like, we had two MVPs on that Rockets team, and I don't know which one played worse, like up to their standards, Russ or, or Harden. I mean, if I was – I mean, I, I, I think Harden out of the two probably played a little worse. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, more was expected out of Harden. You know, he's the scoring That's leader. That's what I'm stuff, saying, but, yeah. But – but man, Russ was was rough. Like he he single handedly lost him some games where he like tried to take over in crunch time and was like, "Don't worry, guys, I got this." And then just threw up bricks for like the next you know three minutes of the game. 
Which he's um, been known to do. That goes back to his OKC days. Yeah, you know, so that's that's rough to see. Um, and then they were guarding him, guarding him with centers and some of that stuff. Like the whole point of this Houston offense was to have like as much space as possible, five out basketball. Like we're gonna run and gun. And then it's like, well, the Lakers were just like, well, we'll just keep Anthony Davis out there. We'll have him guard Russ. No big deal. And Anthony Davis is a freak. Don't get me wrong, but it was like there was no, you know, punishment on the Lakers side for staying big. Because you're just like, oh, we'll just throw whoever on Russ because he can't shoot. So, to me, it was Russ. I thought he was more detrimental in that series than Harden. So, the the Rockets, they, they can't run this squad back out there next year. I mean, I we talked about this when we were talking about the Thunder Rockets series and how the Rockets have had, have and Timmy, uh, Timmy Ferreira um, just put all the chips in on this year, winning a championship this year. I mean, they don't have a future. They they gave their they gave their future to OKC along with the Clippers. So basically, Sam Presti drink um, stole the soul of the Houston Rockets <laughs> and uh, uh, the the Los Angeles Clippers. So shout out Sam Presti for stealing souls of basketball teams. Uh, but they can't the, the Rockets can't run this back out there. Uh, it, it, I mean, Dan Tony. Never got the phone call. And we kind of expected that if Dan Tony uh, didn't get it done with the squad, that we were going to see him uh, not get a call back for a contract extension. Dan Tony's never been known as a playoff coach. I mean, we, we just talked about Carlisle, Stevens, Spolstra, uh, Nurse. Like, those guys are playoff coaches. They're not known for regular season shenanigans. They're known for winning championships, right? Um, yeah. So, wh- t- talk to me, Swoman. You're the NBA guy here. Am I wrong for saying that the Rockets can't run this back out? Yeah, and I think that's – I think with the, you know, not the firing of Dan Tony, but the, hey, we're not going to renew your contract, whatever, you know, why don't you go ahead and retire, move on, was, was really the only thing they can do. I mean, you look at the roster, they've traded, you know, multiple draft picks, like you said. For, for not just Westbrook, but also Covington. So there's not a lot, lot left to build around. There's not necessarily anybody like super young on this team that you're like, oh, okay, he can take a step forward. Um, you look at the star players, like Harden is kind of at, at his peak or you know probably on the, the back end of his peak. And Westbrook is only going to get worse as a point guard that relies on his athleticism. You know, I think shaking up the coach, maybe trying a different system a little bit, is all they can do. I never want to put it past Daryl Morey to, like, pull a rabbit out of his hat, but I just don't see where this team becomes markedly better because they, they've already traded a lot of draft capital to, to get this team, and the core is only going to get worse with age. I mean, even, like, guys like P.J. Tucker, like, he's not going to become better. Like, he's he's at where he's at, and he, he's only going to get worse with age. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to Russell Westbrook for a second. Is there, do you, I I personally was, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I'm a homer. I think all of our listeners know I'm a, I'm a thunder homer and I'm I'm sort of biased towards the thunder. And so I kind of gave Russ a little slack because he was wearing that thunder Jersey. But as soon as he went to the Rockets, I mean, I, I, I was tired of his act. When when he put on that Rockets uniform, because like he, 
I mean, he lost all respect for me. I mean, he was traded, yeah, but um, is there anybody who you think who's an actual basketball fan that is not tired of Russell Westbrook's just overall act and the way he act, uh, the way he you know portrays himself on the on the basketball court and just always playing with that fucking not a chip on his shoulder, but sometimes he acts like it's a log on his shoulders, like the world's out to get him or something. Like, are we tired of his act yet? I mean, I was years ago. Like, we've had this <laughs> conversation too. Like, when was the last team a Russell Westbrook team overachieved? And you got to go a long ways back. I mean, you got to go back to the KD rest days um, back in 2012. Yeah. He doesn't make his teams better. And, uh, you know, he can mean mug and he can do all that snorting and growling out on the court, but I don't think he makes any of his teammates better and hasn't done it in a long time. All right, so flip side of this series, uh, real quick, the, the the Lakers side of things. <laughs> Ryan, quick feet, slightly sports opinion, slightly above average sports opinion. I've been drinking too much. I can't even get it out. Uh, <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is playoff LeBron James is an absolute beast. He's he, he's just an animal out there. Like, I, there's I, – it's cliche to – say that NBA players have a playoff switch and they turn that switch on when they get to the playoffs. But I truly believe that LeBron James has that has that switch because this guy is just by far none the best player in the world when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, and to do it at age 35, like that's the whole kicker to this thing. When most people are starting to, to age out, not just of like superstardom, but like, playoff rotations and things like that to still consistently be the best player on the court is amazing is a testament to his work ethic and like how much he puts into his maintenance of his body and his conditioning. He's a monster. I mean, like I said, we, we may have this argument for a long time, but to me, he's the second best player of all time and we'll see, maybe he sneaks out a championship this year and, and we start having that real conversation about being number one with Jordan. But He's just a monster, man. He really is. And just the things he can still do on a basketball court are are hard to beat. And, uh, I mean, he's shown that so far. I mean, they've lost one game in the playoffs so far. And they seem like they're just rolling, man. So the the Lakers, I mean, we everybody was kind of freaking out about that player who plays out in Oregon in the city of Portland. I'm not going to mention his name. But he had a couple good games against Dang the Lakers. <laughs> Uh, but in all honesty, the Lakers still have yet to be really challenged in the bubble. I mean, do you disagree with that? Yeah, I mean, everyone was freaking out. Like, when we looked at this playoff bracket coming in, everyone's freaking out because Portland was, like, a pretty solid eight seed, like, coming into it. And then turns out that, hey, man, they kind of spent everything they were to get into the playoffs. And then we thought Houston was kind of a weird matchup just because of the size and, 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 you know, they're playing the small ball, all that. I don't know so much as they haven't been tested or is they just, hey, we're just better than these teams. I'm really looking forward to this Nuggets series because, to me, like the Clippers should have beat the Nuggets. And I think this Lakers team, if they're focused, can beat this Nuggets team. Like one of those series where it's like, yeah, it's a bunch of close games, but they won in like six games, like a – quote-unquote close six-game series where the Lakers blow them out, three of them, and then win one close one, something like that. That would be my prediction if I if I was making bets in Vegas. 
you want to pick, uh, kind of repick our conference finals, and you know, since we obviously missed on the East and the West. I mean, give me the Lakers and the Celtics, man. Let's go old school on this thing. <laughs> that would be epic. I know Boston's already down one game, but but I can't pick against them now, man. Like Tatum's looking like a monster, and uh, they're one Bam out of Bayou block away from winning that game. Give me Lakers Celtics. Let's go old school with this thing, man. That, that'd be perfect. Man, I want to see uh, the Lakers in Miami uh, in the finals. I just think that would be epic. You know, LeBron. Take getting beat by the team uh, that he left Cleveland for would just be it'd be a hell of a story. Um, it'd be awesome. So I uh, give me my I know you hate to hear it, but give me Miami over Boston. Uh, but yeah, I think the Lakers take care of Denver in five or six. But at least one of those games would be entertaining for sure. Uh, all right, Spillman. So let me see if I can try to sober up here for a second. Uh, I've gone like. Two and a half inches into my Sailor J bottle in the last 40 minutes. So take that for uh, what it's worth and crush two uh, 95 calorie Michelob Ultras. But I do all that, Spillman, to gear up for week one NFL recap. Was this first week of NFL, NFL football just not majestic as hell? And wasn't it great to just sit on your ass all day on Sunday? And watch grown men just all over each other. I mean, that's all I wanted. I just want to watch people hit each other on a football field. I don't think that's too much to ask. <laughs> uh, Spillman, best game of the weekend. Hold that thought. Let me go first. Uh, Spillman, I'm going with Cowboys and Rams. Uh, it was Sunday night. Granted, we had to listen to Chris Collinsworth, and I know how much we all hate him. Horrible sports announcer. Uh, but Al, shout out to Al Michaels. Al Michaels is on the back end of his career. We're only going to see him call like 17 of the 23 Sunday night primetime games. But it's not all bad news because Mike Tirico is going to take over for him. And who doesn't love Mike Tirico? I mean, we miss him from the Monday night studio. Am I right? Uh, but anyways, Cowboys and Rams. It sucked that this game got decided by uh, a horrible call. It was just a little bit of hand fighting, uh, but different years, same old Cowboys, I guess you can say, uh, but <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't think this Rams team was going to be that good, but turns out they are, and Aaron Donald was out there choke slamming grown men. I don't know if you saw yes. that, Spillman, but just choke, literally choke slam, Undertaker style, Ezekiel Elliott to the ground. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, and like not like average grown men, like incredible once-in-a-generation athletes and just like throwing them on the ground like they're toys, man. It was crazy. But I, it was a close game. It was a competitive game. It was fun to watch Aaron Donald. It was fun to watch the Cowboys' new tools. Uh, Dak didn't play awful. Uh, Goff didn't play awful either. Overall, I thought it was a really good football game, Spillman. Yeah, I'm with you, man. To me, that was probably one of the better games. Anytime you can watch the Cowboys lose in primetime, sign me up for that. That's always fun. <laughs> um, and then I know, you, he, you know you're you not a fan of his because he went to Oklahoma. Watching C.D. Lamb out there, that guy's going to be a beast. Like, how the F he fell to the Cowboys at, what, 17? It didn't make sense at the time. You watch him week one, you're like, yeah, 
that guy can play football. What the fuck the teams one through sixteen were thinking? Who knows? But listen, you know, it was a fun game until he can fill the cleats of the guy who wore that number eighty-eight jersey before him, straight out of Oklahoma State University, home of America's brightest orange, Des Bryant. I don't want to hear anything about CD Lamb. Okay. <laughs> uh, Anywho. Not Michael Irvin, the Des Bryant. Yeah, that's the 88 we're all thinking about. <laughs> hey, biggest surprise of the weekend. I'll, I'll let you go first. Uh, my Washington football team winning a game. Come on. Hell to the Redskins. Hell to victory. Well, I can't say hell to the Redskins anymore. Hell to the football team. 27 <laughs> unanswered points. Eight sacks. The defensive line looked dominant. Uh, you know, Chase Young had a sack and a half in his first NFL game. I mean, let's go, man. Give me the, give me the Redskins as this year's 2020 version of the 2019 49ers. You got a second, or a second, uh, number two overall pick out of, uh, OSU revolutionizing the defense and a quarterback that doesn't fuck it up on offense. Give me the, give me the, uh, football team. Win in the NFC East. I'm all in, baby. Sign me up. <laughs> hey, uh, shout out to I. I heard Dwayne Haskins took over the halftime speech because your boy, the the riverboat gambler Ron Rivera, was getting an IV during halftime. He, you know, he got too excited, man. He had to cool down. Um, but yeah, I it mean, could also we'll be the see. cancer. I'm... He he does well, have cancer. <laughs> well. Let's not let's not bring that up. He'll be okay. Uh, my biggest surprise was the Jacksonville Jaguars were supposed to be a horrible football team, right? Gardner Minshew is their quarterback. Does he even know how to play football? He looks I mean, like Uncle Rico out there on the football <laughs> field. Meanwhile, you got the future Hall of Famer, and I'm using quotation marks, throwing three interceptions, throwing passes straight to the Jacksonville Jaguars. No Colts receiver in sight. What in the Sam Hill went on there? Biggest upset of the week was the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you had money on them to beat the Colts, congratulations. I want your info so I can get all your money bets because obviously you know how to pick and you know that the Colts are going to be a shitty football team on a particular Sunday and lose to a shitty Jacksonville Jaguar team. Sure. You okay? You got that <laughs> off the chest? Sorry, was that, was that a little heated? I apologize. I feel uh, like I feel like I should give you a hug, but I don't want to touch you right now because you might punch me. <laughs> All right, worst game of the of the weekend, Spillman. Uh, I'm going to actually backtrack to Thursday. I think that Houston Kansas City was just not a good football game. Uh, Bill O'Brien is not a good football coach. Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. Andy Reid and his face mask was hilarious. I love those memes that came out on it. I hope he continues to wear that face shield all season long. Uh, But that, to me, just wasn't a good football game. It was totally lopsided. The Texans were out of it real early. Um, And even at the start, you kind of felt like this Kansas City team means business, and the Texans just really aren't there for them. Yeah, especially because Houston looked kind of lost on offense. Like Cooks, Fuller, uh, all those guys kind of have the same skill set. Um, 
You know what they really could have used it was like an A1 number one receiver <laughs> that could like, you know, run all the routes in the route tree. You know, someone like a like a like a Hopkins or somebody like that. You know, if only they had that missing piece. How about uh, that? There, yeah. How about that FU that Hopkins gave the Texans? Didn't he go off for like 19 catches and two touchdowns and like 180 yards? Yeah, I mean, and just, you know, I won't want to put too much into week one on that because he still has to get some chemistry with Kyler Murray, and it's a new offense. So, you know, don't don't hold that week one against him, you know. So what about you, Spin? What, what do you think the worst worst game of the week was? Man, I watched a part of that, that Seattle-Atlanta game. And I, I I give you a hard time often because you you're not the you're not always a good friend. You give me give me a lot of shit, but <laughs> you told me not to pick Atlanta. You reminded me not to pick Atlanta because Dan Quinn is still their coach. And for as great as Russell Wilson is, we all know I love R- Wilson. Man, that that Atlanta defense was straight trash. I mean, straight they, they trash. Lost. Dumpster like, fire defense. I mean, it was almost like they had never seen DK Metcalf or, or Tyler Lockett run down the field. It's like, yeah, you, you had to have some safety coverage over the top because these guys are going downfield. And they just lost them, man. Like, I mean, yeah, so thank you for not letting me pick Atlanta to win the division again because I was real tempted. And then you, you reminded me, Dan Quinn. And, uh, yeah, so I owe you one for that. Thank you, buddy. Those unis do look pretty good, though. Those Atlanta unis, those are pretty solid. Yeah, and Gurley looked good for what it's worth, but yeah, man, the defense just sucks. It really does. Uh, best player this weekend, um, Spillman. Aaron Rodgers was just like, oh, you guys want to draft my replacement? Let me remind you of how I can carry a football team and score three, four touchdowns at any given moment. And, oh, you don't want to draft me decent receivers? That's fine. I'm going to make these slightly above-average receivers look like pro bowlers by, you know, putting the ball in precise placement so they can't not miss the catch. Yeah, it, he was fantastic. And and when you're saying like slightly above average, like Devontae Adams is a, is a stud. Let's let's get that right. Montrez Valdez-Scantling dropped a couple big ones. MVS, like, man, he fucked up some stuff. Like, oh, I think Rodgers had almost 400 yards. He had 364. He would have had almost 500 if if Valdez-Scantling could actually catch a football. So, yeah, good good call on Rodgers, man. He, he had a hell of a game in, in week one. How about you? Who do you think the biggest player was? Mine, you know, tie it back to that Atlanta game was Russell Wilson, man. He had more touchdown passes four than incompletions three. Holy and, shit. <laughs> I mean, like I understand it. Like I was giving shit to the Atlanta defense, but Wilson came out and balled out, man. He, uh, he looked great, and that offense looked like they were starting to open some stuff up. And if they're actually going to be like a – a modern NFL offense instead of just running it all the time. Wilson could be an MVP this year, just you know, because he's going to actually have a chance to get some numbers. Uh, biggest disappointing performance from a player for you this weekend, Spillman? Mine. Uh, this goes back to Olivia beating the snot out of me in fantasy football. Almost, I, almost doubled you up. I mean, just she, she damn near did it. Picking Odell Beckham in the in the fourth round, I think, or third round of our draft was a was a huge mistake. He went for three catches for twenty two yards and wasn't getting separation, wasn't open that much. The offense looked stale. 
Odell Beckham is my is my is my most disappointing player, and I, I probably have worse words than disappointing for him, to be honest. My disappointing performance goes to a former Oklahoma State Cowboy walk on, Cowboy back, Blake Jarwin himself. Fine hey. and hey, listen, Chris and let me go back to Chris Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth said that Blake Jarwin is slightly more athletic than Jason Witten. Shit! That's the biggest load of horse manure I've ever heard in my entire life. Blake Jarwin is literally almost 30 years younger than Jason Witten. Like, just naturally he's going to be more athletic. That's the kind of shit that makes me hate Chris Collinsworth when he announces football games. But anywho, Spillman... Am I an asshole for being mad at Blake Jarwin for tearing his ACL? I mean, it's not ideal. Like, it doesn't make you a saint. Um, he should have healthier knees, damn it. <laughs> so that's my biggest disappointment. Um, so uh, real quick, before we, we wrap up week one, I just got one more thing I want to add, Spillman. And this goes back to... The, 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 I want to circle the wagons, drink, uh, to college football in this COVID situation. We did not know who Joe Burrow was going into last year's college football season. We just knew he was a transfer from Ohio State. Won the Heisman, became the number one overall pick, right? So there could be that player out there that may not get his chance to play or may not get enough games to shine. I'm just saying that would suck because literally it could be he could have all it takes is one season that could take your life from making 50, 80,000 a year like us regular smucks to making you know number one overall pick money. But that that's a side story. Uh, but Joe Burrow Spillman, I think Joe Burrow might be the real deal, Holyfield. I really do. You know, he had some good runs. He, I know that's a knee-jerk reaction mistakes. week one, but th- that's how I feel, Spillman. Hey, I mean, uh, the stats would would, would, would agree with you. Um, and, and being into a, a tough situation where, you know, no preseason, no real offseason. I mean, I, I, I would buy some Joe Burrow stock for sure if, if, uh, if offered. All right. You got any other thoughts on week one? No, it was good to have football back, man. The, we got to work on the crowd noise people. They got to do better. Like, we got to – it can't be that hard to be like, hey, a first down or a key first down gets you a certain amount of, of noise. A touchdown gets you a lot of noise. It, you know, it's it's not that hard, guys. We can figure it out. But, but hopefully we'll get better crowd noise as the season goes on. All right, guys. So, you guys, our loyal listeners out there, we love having you. Listen to us on a weekly basis. We and even though you have to put up with Ryan's slightly above average sports and sports opinions, we still appreciate you listening. More importantly, we appreciate you listening twice. Uh, but tell your friends they need to listen, like, and subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, not iTunes. It's an Apple Podcast now. Excuse me. Um, but hey, just screw all that. We all know you have a Spotify app. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a review, uh, and all that shit. Uh, but again, Spillman. Just make sure you listen twice, damn it. So we're going to wrap up this podcast. We told you it was girthy. 
So this is going to be part one of the Fried Pickle Ka-Ching, Ka-Ching Sports Podcast. Be sure to listen to episode two.